episode 265 for December 2013. Hey, Crawl Spacers. Welcome to our Spider Satellite Cartoon Show. We've got, of course, Kevin. What up, Kev? Hello, and welcome to After Hours on the Crawl Space with G, yeah. E, D, and KC. Now taking well. your calls. <laughs> And uh, we're, wearing, we're doing the Hugh Hefner. We've got our robes on. We're smoking pipes. That sounds bad. Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> roll off of that, George. Welcome, sir. Robes. Hell, I'm in my uh, banana hammock. <laughs> God. God. Carmen Moran is on the line. <laughs> I, I want to give a special shout-out to all the ladies listening to, uh, to the Crawl Space podcast. What is that, like two, three? I haven't done a survey, but uh, that's probably right. <laughs> no, you know, if I go by the Facebook post, there's a couple ladies that comment. Yeah, I know. I, that's what I'm saying hi to them. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. You know what? If you, if you are a lady who listens to the Crawl Space podcast, write us an iTunes review so we know. How's that? Exactly. Both these fellows are single, too. We're looking for love, ladies. <laughs> well, they, they are. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. In all the wrong places. <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> any, any port in a storm, Jomo, you know what I'm saying? Hey, there you go. Uh, Kevin, we're starting with you. Good God Almighty. <laughs> How many issues came out this month that had a damn spider in it? Well, um, here's the thing. <laughs> the The folks have been hearing us starting to, you know, divide the satellites a little bit. Brad's been picking up one oh. issue, maybe two issues. This month, I've got ten and Brad has four. Slack. Fourteen damn books. Brad's a slacker. <laughs> I know, I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, we start, I mean, uh, when it got to the point where I was saying, hey, Brad, I can't pick up every book, Brad was saying, no, I want this to be Spider Satellites with Kevin. I'll pick up one book, you know, but that's, that's just how it goes. And he's up to four already, and it's been like three months. Well, I, I can't fault Kevin. My God, he's picking up ten books. He could get, give two shits about it. That's because Kevin's a pro. <laughs> Kevin is a pro, so I, I'm I'm a spider holic. I've got, I've uh, I'm addicted, so I pick up pretty much all these. But you you're reviewing two books today that I, even I didn't pick up. So yeah, well, and uh, you know, like I said last month, I I, I really yeah. tried on Marvel Knights Spider Man, but after that first issue, I'm just not picking up anymore. And uh, even I'm even I'm contemplating dropping the bullshit. Okay, well, good Lord Almighty. So it's a good th- if you hadn't ordered in advance, you know, through your yeah. mail order service, then you probably. Um, yeah, but and also there's these uh, these amazing Spider-Man point one issues and you know I've heard the story's pretty good. It's not that. It's just that I can't justify dropping twenty dollars in one month on five issues full of stock stories. I just can't do it. Here at the, at the top, we're going to read what we're going to review. Do you want to do it? Or do you want me to do it? Uh, you, you you read what you're going to read and I'm, let let Kevin read all of them because he's frankly he's got a way sexier voice. Okay, good. <laughs> and we're trying we're trying to appeal to the ladies. This is like oh the, oh, oh sorry sorry. Okay, pretend you're seducing ladies with ten books. Ladies, go. All right. Well, we've got uh, <laughs> we're catching up with from a few months ago a plus X number eleven. Featuring Cyclops and Spider-Man. After that, we've got A plus X number 14 with Spider-Man and Magneto. Bit of an X-Men theme? That's what the book does. Then we have Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand, number 1 to 2, plus Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man number 1. That's right, the Ultimate Universe is ending, but it's making me buy a lot of books first. That's not the right about that. And Cataclysm sounds dirty. We have Mighty Avengers number three, 
And uh, and this is where the funk lives, ladies. So uh, so you enjoy that. <laughs> ladies, all up in your business. <laughs> I want a shirt now that says Blade all up in your business. <laughs> Next up, we've got Scarlet Spider number 24. That's the penultimate issue. This book is coming to a climax very soon. <laughs> yes. Then we've got no, The Superior no, no. Foes of Spider-Man. That's number five coming to your town, followed by Superior Spider-Man Team-Up number six and seven. Who's Spider-Man teaming up with? Maybe it's you, ladies, if you swing that way. You like to swing. <laughs> That's all for me. Then uh, Jomo, as Mr. Uh, Ferryman likes to call him, is going to be reviewing yeah. for you a really terrible book called Marvel Knights Spider-Man that even Kevin can't make sound sexy. I'm sorry, ladies. It just can't be done. <laughs> then there is Amazing Spider-Man number 700.1, which is uh, some little controversy called Frozen. Aunt May's in her house by herself. What's she doing? We don't know. <laughs> and I have One no more. idea what One the last more. book you're reviewing is. <laughs> Carnage number five. Say Carnage number five in your in your sexy tones. All right, then we've got Superior Carnage number five. That's symbiote just crawling all over your body and having a good time. Uh, the big problem, Kevin's starting strong, George. The big question, Kevin, is which of these books will have the stamina to go in the distance? <laughs> I think they all can't get past 30. <laughs> yeah, they're all going to be renumbered too soon. <laughs> at, at this Premat- point, Ultimate Spider-Man is the oldest book of the bunch. Premature enumeration. <laughs> oh, my God. Enumeration. <laughs> uh, 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 have mercy. Have mercy. Superior team-up number six we're starting with, Kev. That's right. At the request of Brad Douglas, we're going to start with superior team-up number six. I said the alphabet, and Brad said, screw that. I'm above the alphabet. So, yeah. Brad, are you still in your sexy tone voice? No, what are you doing? <laughs> Brad said the alphabet's for sucks. Uh, do you decimal this? <laughs> Uh, that's just going to be you. Thankfully, I don't have any decimals to deal with this. <laughs> you do have point one. Amazing. Actually, you know what? I just looked at it, uh, and yeah. Scarlet Spider has the highest issue number of this whole bunch. That's true. Not after next. Pretty month. soon, they're going to move to fractions, like one forty, like one forty-five and a half. Like there's going to actually be a one half instead of a point five up beside it. Well, I'm pretty sure we had determined. I think we were talking about this last time, and I think we had determined that the book currently at Marvel with the highest number was actually Wolverine and the X Men. And since last month, it's been announced that that's getting canceled and relaunched at number one. That is I, I, stupid. I, I, that is a stupidest no, biggest we, bunch of BS. We've had fractions before, George. Remember the wizard half issues? Yeah, and plus, you know, uh, also a uh, Matt fraction. <laughs> well, you know, technically point one, point two, point three, point four, point five. Those those are fractions. Those are fractions. Um, yeah. And we've also, I just, I bought a book today uh, that was Uncanny X Men, and the numbering on the bottom actually says fifteen dot inh. Oh my god! Humanity. Yeah. Now wait a minute. Was there already a fifteen? No, it's just. This is what we're doing now. Also, I noticed um, it looks like what they're doing with some of the new books that aren't new number ones, it looks like they're going to start um, doing, like, up top a yeah. number of the story arc. Like issue because one. Because I noticed – I, I saw in one of my books today there was an advertisement for Thunderbolts number 20, and the cover they showed uh, on the top, it said, uh, No Mercy, number one of three. But who is 20. who is doing this? Is this Brevert's work? 
Brevoort is the one that's definitely been arguing for it on uh, on the internet, and, and I think I posted on the on the crawl space some just hilarious honesty from Jonathan Hickman against that. <laughs> this is just this is drop your pants, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is pants. This, this is the comic book equivalent of pants on the ground. Well, uh, pants on the ground. They do better business on number ones, although that's going to get hugely diluted if everything's number one to five. Uh, exactly. They don't care. Prevort's uh, main argument that I've seen uh, is he talks about like you know this it's sort of a seasonal thing, and this is how you know magazines have been doing different volume you know a new volume every year for forever. My problem is magazines. Uh, you don't have people going back and trying to read magazines in some kind of continuity order later oh, that God, they cannot yeah. figure out when there's five number ones in two years. And I'm, I'll be honest, I think if they're going to do it this way, what they need to do just to help out the fans, it's not something that they need to do in a business stance, just to help out their fans in the future is put the cover date back on the cover so they can tell the issues apart a little bit better which number two this is, which number three this is. God forbid. God forbid. Cover date, like December 2013? Yeah, just just slap it somewhere on the cover, and it'll be easier for people in the future to figure out what they're looking at when you've got two Wolverine number ones in two years, Mm -hmm. you know? By the same writer, you can't even say it's the Wolverine number one by Paul Cornell, because there's going to be two of those. God forbid they actually get you know a few new readers here and there who actually want to go back and read the past shit. They're not going to know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. No, you need a flowchart. It's really confusing. This it is. is. It's this is. I'm sorry. It's just. It's. It's stupid. It, it, it's well. It's them going. For, obviously, the number one sells better. But the more you do this, the less impact the number one's going to have. Mm-hmm. Well, screw it. Let's just make everything a number one, and forever can exactly. just sit back in a tub of butter all day. <laughs> That's All right. Okay. Oh, on that Let's on that note, uh, <laughs> superior number six, team up number six. All right. Let's get down to nice the satellites. Nice uh, sigh off the top. <laughs> satellites are, are watching you from the sky. Whatever you do. Oh my. Anyway, we're back. Superior team up number six. We've got <laughs> Sun Girl and the Superior Six versus the Masters of Evil for a techno doohickey of some sort. Spider-Ock is the Masters of Evil to turn on Lightmaster, who was their their master. <laughs> um, and Sun-Girl overloads the techno-doohickey, but that breaks Dr. Octopus's mental control of his Superior Six, and now we've got some real supervillains to deal with. That's where right. Cliffhang for that issue. This one, I'm giving it a C. Yost tries to druggle... Druggle? What's that word? Druggle? Yost tried to juggle. <laughs> uh, just, just so no, much in no, this issue. I know what a druggle is. I know what it is. It's juggling when you're drunk. Yeah, a druggle. druggle. I like it. Yeah. The word well, new word is in the word, and you went for alcohol. Okay. Druggle. Um, okay, druggle. All right. <laughs> okay, you're doing drugs and juggling. I'm okay. Saying either you didn't or. Have to go quite that far to figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, he just, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening at home, he just made fun of my word I just made up. <laughs> I made it up technically, so I'm allowed to make oh, fun of it. All right, we're druggling this on too Don't long. steal Go Kevin's ahead. genius. Oh, good, Jomo. <laughs> the point is, he's trying to juggle so much in the issue that not really much of it came together. There were over a dozen characters in play at any given time, so nothing more than a panel of focus for any one, and it just got jumbled. 
And it honestly feels even more ridiculous uh, than last issue that Otto, as smart as he is, ever thought this Superior Six thing was going to end well. I mean, he keeps them trapped on their off time, ranting about how they're going to kill him. So it's not like he can even take advantage of their expertise or planning or anything. It's never addressed in the actual comic, but uh, if he has mental control over all of them during fights, you'd think that would kind of split his focus too much to effectively put up a fight himself. That's yeah. just me saying that. But And really, Sun Girl, we get her shoved yeah. at us again. This time she blurts out in the middle of the Masters of Evil and the Sinister Six that she's Lightmaster's daughter for some right. reason. Yeah. Good job, honey. I'm sure none of these big-time supervillains could ever use that information against either of you two. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all in all, it's an ambitious story, but it kind of fell on its face. Um, right. I you know I would say we'll see how it ends next month, but that's what I'm about to review. <laughs> so we're going right. to uh, see how it ends. Um, this uh, if the Masters of Evil hadn't mysteriously disappeared next issue, and we'll get back to that. Masters of Evil, Sinister Six, uh, Sun Girl, and Spider Man. Adding another villain team or two, and it sounds kind of like the '99 villains that the Marvel Knights title promised. It's mm-hmm. just a crap load of people in one place. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people going on, a lot of chess players. Good Lord, at one point I was like, oh, is that yeah. Mr. Hyde? Well, it didn't matter. Um, you know, <laughs> these, are, these are people that have been villains of their own issues. And it's like, well, there was a panel of him. There went, okay, he's fighting that guy. I can't keep track of what's going on, but it looks like Dr. Octopus is the one loser. <clears throat> okay. Right. So number seven also came out this month, uh, which is the finale of that storyline. That was part two. This is part three. And this one, uh, this one begins with Spider Ock. I, I really can't figure out a good thing to call him. I refuse to use the Star Trek character name. I just think that's freaking stupid. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's a captive of the Sinister Six, who I guess you know we can technically call Sinister again because they're out of mind control. Um, not the ones in the Superior Foes, the original ones. Except like the ones in the Superior Foes, there's. Actually, only five of them, since they don't have Dr. Octopus. Did you follow that? All right. Now, um, <laughs> the baddies are torturing Otto, and then Electro focuses his power through the techno doohickey that's been in the arc. But Electro is so powerful, that means the city is going to blow. And right. at the last minute, Sun Girl turns out not to be dead. It looked like she was dead in the last issue, but, you know, nobody cared. Uh, she shoots Otto free, reminds him what a hero is to justify her guest star in this issue, and they team up to kick some ass, except for the fact that Otto has now made this, uh, the classic villains, way more sinister <laughs> through some extreme pissed off at him. And, and no doubt. The city does get pretty hurt before they uh, manage to destroy the machine. So yeah, bad day. Bad, bad day. <laughs> yeah. This ends with, uh, with the superior Spider-Man like sitting on a building watching Thor uh, trying to fix the city he just broke and <laughs> re- revolving in his mind the whole wasn't that going to be superior thing? Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of like that, yeah. though, since, you know, um, Slot's book seems to just want to show him as completely superior to Peter, and this one was like, yeah, you screwed that up, didn't you? Yeah, we had some flashbacks to 700 about him promising Peter he'll be superior and he'll be a hero, etc. Juxtaposed against the city, pretty much. Exactly, right. yeah. So that was nice. Uh, prose about the book, I think, is the art. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Chichetto art is just so freaking gorgeous here. It's It really may be the best-looking Sinister Six issue of all time for me. 
Really? I mean, it's wow. just uh, the first page you get like uh, Chameleon is turning into different people, and you get you see Craven, and you see uh, the Doctor Octopus, and somebody at Mysterio, the dead one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just yeah, he just draws <laughs> these people so beautifully. His uh, I'd like him on the main book, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. he he definitely deserves a shot at that. Uh, well, he he was there for a little bit with the uh, the Craven storyline. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I meant a shot at Superior. Is yeah, yeah. He, but he no, no. He's only ever been on Amazing briefly. Um, didn't he draw the the Craven art where uh, Kane was? Yeah, Grim uh, Hunt. Greg Grim that Hunt was him, he, and that was an excellent story. Yeah, and his art exactly, was definitely part yeah. of that. Um, yeah, he does a great job, and the fact that he's staying on the book after Yost leaves uh, will will definitely help. To keep the book up, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar enough with Kevin Shinnick to say whether he's going to be a good replacement or not. But at least the art should stay solid. Uh, I'm giving this one an A minus. It was it was a much better chapter with a clearer focus. Although, as I was saying before, I have no idea where the Masters of Evil got off to. It, it, it was a nice, better focus since it was just the Sinister Six beating on Spider-Man pretty much. But those Masters of Evil sure cleared out fast once the tide no turned doubt. in their favor. <laughs> what happened to Lightmaster, by the way? I, I forget. Uh, stuff. Um, <laughs> he was just kind of there. They didn't do much. <laughs> I, right. I think Sun Girl saved him because uh, he was her dad, and then I guess yeah. deposited him in jail or something. It was. It, I said the, he was part of the Masters of Evil thing, and he was the only one that was still there. And it was that part was just all very forgettable. And uh, I, I had to go back if when I. In, Include this a little bit because it took me a while to remember Lightmaster, and I yeah. pulled up the Marvel Wiki, marvel.wikia.com, and I'll give you just a little brief history of first appearance. It's like a little bio we're going to do. His actual first appearance is in Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number one, from December '76. His real name is Edward Lansky, and evidently in that first issue, he was the vice chancellor of Empire State University, and the city's mayor was preparing some budget cuts which would have damaged the university. To avoid this, he prepared a criminal attack using his knowledge in the university's laboratory to create a suit, and using the name Lightmaster, he recruited Craven and Tarantula to kidnap three important civil servants of the city government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the guy who uh, last month, Brad, you were like kind of bad mouth. I was like Lightmaster, whatever, and I was like, dude, I kind of like Lightmaster. I mean, did you like Lightmaster? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I don't really I, have any experience with him before this. Um, yeah, he he mainly a lot of his appearances are in Peter Parker. Yeah, Spider Man from the seventies. It looks like uh, Actually, nineteen. And I got most and of that 20. run from uh, from Bailey in one of his eBay auctions, and I actually read number one not too long mm-hmm. ago. I guess that story uh, unfolded over a couple issues because that definitely didn't all happen in number one. Uh, Tarantula was was the only villain in that one, um, <laughs> but I, like it the- was kind of hard to read. I wasn't enjoying the writing on that one. I always he's been, I always liked his suit, and you know who designed that, don't you? Uh, I do not. Yep, that was Sal. Yeah, Sal. Our pal Sal. Yep. He looks like also an amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, number 2 of 3. He fought Dazzler and Spider-Man mm-hmm. back in the 70s, early 80s. And I don't remember this, but an amazing uh, Brand New Day, uh, number 552, he was in. I don't remember that at all. That sounds like it uh, might have been around the time of that Origin of the Species arc that was just uh, kind mm-hmm. of villain dog pile. Right. Maybe. I'm not anyway, sure. Anyway, um, that, back to stuff that matters. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want I just want to give a little history oh, on yeah, the, Lance, I'm, I'm just the Light Master because I I, I don't remember him. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still not sure about Sun Girl's inclusion in this whole thing. Yeah. It 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 feels like Yost should be and wants to be just writing a straight up satellite title instead of a team up book. But you know mm-hmm. he has to throw that girl in as a team up. But I like the evolution of the original Sinister Six in this issue. Otto observes that he inadvertently made them a better team through hate. Because, you know, they, they've always hated Spider-Man, but now he locked them up and tortured them all, pretty much. Um, and they, they play very well here. And while they, they did all get beat up, we don't actually see any of them taken into custody. So it'll be interesting to see what's next for them. Maybe the Ferocious Five, or maybe time to curb stomp the superior foes for taking their name. Who knows? You know, uh, it, it leads up very easily to when Peter comes back and Ock is back or whatever, leading up to that third Amazing Spider-Man 3 movie, which allegedly has the Sinister Six in it. Yeah, well, I noticed, you know, it, it seems like a lot of stuff in this whole Superior era really looks like Otto is really screwing something up to set up for Peter having to deal with it later. Just like that, you know, exactly. Black Cat was on the cover of an issue, but it was really just two pages of... Uh, Ock punching her in the mouth and her swearing eternal vengeance on Spider-Man. So you, you know Peter's the one that's going to have to deal with that. And at no point did he divulge, hey, I'm really Ock in Spider-Man's body. So yeah, of course not. Nobody knows that. With the exception of the car- except for the Carnage book that I'm going to review. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Uh, what else we got, Kev? Okay. Uh, what do you say? Should we just keep going backwards through the uh, alphabet or go up to the top after that? Your, your preference to whatever you want to review. Okay, screw it. Um... Let's go. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do Superior Foes number five next. Oh, hell yeah. Just yeah. read that today. Yeah. Um, oh, hell yeah is definitely the right description of, of, yeah, of this daggone comic. Love this book. Love it. It's it's, it's really brilliant. I mean, I, I, I try yep. to throw around the word brilliant too lightly, but it's brilliant. Um, so this book, it's finally time for the foes to break into the owl's compound to steal the head of Silvermane. And it goes about as well as you'd expect. <laughs> Boomerang leaves the rest of his team behind to deal with the ridiculous array of security measures the owl has. And we're talking like gigantic scorpions and <laughs> robots and just all this ridiculous crap the owl has stocked into different levels of his <laughs> compound that's just funny. Um, yeah. Two Remind me of pit, in Pitfall a little bit from the old Pitfall game. Yeah, there was a two-page spread in there that showed like the uh, a map of the whole thing and the crap waiting for them on each level. And at first, I was I was kind of thrown off by what is this because I didn't think there would actually be huge scorpions and whatnot in there. And then they're fighting. Right. It turns out that was all real. Yeah, dude. Um, Anyway, so Boomerang ditched them so he could go for the real target in the basement, which is not the head at all, but a painting called The True Face of Victor Von Doom, which he says is the most valuable sought-after painting in the world. (laughs) Um, And you know what? Crazy Chris uh, from our own podcast pointed out in the comments on my review of this issue um, that... Boomerang is working for the Chameleon, so the Chameleon probably wants this painting so he can impersonate Victor Von Doom. Oh, that, yeah. They, That's smart. That's that, smart. Once he said it, it seems like it's so obvious that I feel stupid for not getting it. But. It's very good. There's, there's one person I don't want to piss off by impersonating him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dr. Doctor Doom doesn't ever let shit go. <laughs> you want to talk about holding a grudge. Yeah, dude. Um, wow. So, final scene on this. Meanwhile... 
the car whose trunk Boomerang trapped the Shocker in has been fished out and brought to a junkyard. And it seems it's the same junkyard from the long-ago gang war between the Owl and Silvermane. And when Shocker busts out, he sees the little kid from the fake story, quote-unquote fake story of what happened to Silvermane's head. And then he sees Silvermane's head mounted on a race car. Exactly. Like that story, he grabs it and makes a run for it with just a hilarious face. Now, is Silvermane aware? Is he actually, is his head aware? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's on a remote control car. He's like, what the hell? (laughs) What is he, like, saying while the car's going? Is he like, vroom? I mean, what's... He's not saying anything in this. We just, it's basically a a last page tease. We just see around the corner, like, he's peeking out from behind a junk pile. And then the next page is a full page of the Shocker with it just, like, under his arm. Silvermane's face looks entirely shocked. And the Shocker's just making a break for it. And when when I was like, I thought that story was fake. You know, when I read that, I'm like, whoa, exactly. it's not. <laughs> the, the story that the rest of the underworld believes that Boomerang thinks is the fake story turned out to actually be a freaking true story. What a what a nice little twist on that, honestly. Oh, Very yeah, nice. I was just I was so surprised by that, and I just I thought it was hysterical. Um, I give this one a plus. This had yeah. this had so much going for it. I mean, not only was it laugh out loud hilarious, but I swear it had the best owl scene I can remember. Just making that dude scary for the first time in quite a while. You have to talk about the man bull, which was my, one of my favorite. <laughs> the man bull story. Jesus, I laughed hard on that. Oh my god. So it's there's this whole thing. The beginning the beginning couple of pages of this uh, of this comic are devoted to. Um, the owl is a scary bastard, and maybe you shouldn't break into his compound. Basically, right. um, yep. the owl has this guy who like tried to steal from him, uh, tied to a chair under um, basically a crapload of rats that are only <laughs> being held by rope, and God knows rats <laughs> chew on rope. Um, so that's just looming over his head, and he's terrified. And the owl is pretty much just walking around, and he's telling a story. Brad, Brad, you just read it today, and you really enjoyed it. Do you want to go ahead and tell this story? Because I think you'll remember it better than I do. Well, I don't have the book in front of me right now, but basically he's talking about uh, a guy that cheated him, cheated uh, the, the organization, is that right? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. So he was like, I'm going to go send the man bull to, <laughs> uh, show, to go and intimidate your wife. Or actually, go talk to your wife. So I'm going to show you a live feed of the man bull having dinner with your wife. And this will just scare the hell out of you, and you'll never do anything wrong against me again. But little did uh, the owl or anybody suspect that the man bull is quite the ladies' man. <laughs> oh, my God. And the man bull seduces the dude's wife. Wow. And he sees the man bull going at it, and... <laughs> And the quote is, who knew she could ride the bull? <laughs> you, you know what that reminds me of? Do you ever see... Oh, uh, my God. See, I laughed so hard. Did you ever see Kentucky Fried Movie? No. No, I never have. There's a, Okay, I can't... There's a scene in there. People who are listening to this will know what I'm talking about, where a dude busts through the wall, like a giant, like, you know, like, big, big, I mean, built black dude named Big Jim Slade, yeah. busts through a wall and steals some dude's chick. <laughs> and it is the most hysterical thing. I'll try to find a YouTube clip of it for you two oh, later man. on. But it is. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like, you know, like, you know, you just have this. It just happens. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm just, I am who I am, you know. And the way it's played it's is just so funny because you see, like, the owl with the guy turn on the TV. <laughs> and it's just like, well, 
That's inappropriate. Wow. Mambo's <laughs> at it. Yeah, wow. I, I just laughed so hard with that scene. Yeah, and then, of Man. course, um, you know, after that, because we are in, that's just a little bit of, you know, while the guy's freaking out with the rats under him, and this is a scene about how the owl is a scary bastard. He walks right. away, the rats have finished chewing through the rope, and just a bunch of rats fall all over this guy and basically start eating him to death. And as they're walking away, the owl just tells his goon, save a couple rats for me. And the next page is a full-page spread of the owl chowing down on rat flesh. Right. What? Well, yeah, the owl likes rats, evidently. Which sounds like they've, they've kind of made him into, like, uh, like the penguin from Batman Returns. I don't know, but I'm not messing with him. Yeah, if I, I see that. the was, man bull my house, I'm screwed. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> very well done. Um, Loved it. I mean, this, Loved it. Yeah. And, you know, things like that and... Uh, this, the, the whole two-page spread of the crazy crap in the owl's uh, compound, and then the ending with that ridiculous story actually being true, is the kind of insane stuff that really only this comic could pull off. Seriously, if you're listening to this show, you like Spider-Man. Mm. Take it from Kevin and I. Pick this damn book up. This should be selling a lot more than it is. Yeah, honestly. I mean, and I'm I'm always just expecting the cancellation notice on this because you know it's God. I hope not. It, it's it's counterintuitive that this book would be so good. It shouldn't. Be. Exactly. It really shouldn't be. Um, so I understand why people aren't picking it up, but I wish they would. Every month, we're like, best thing out there, best thing we've reviewed this month. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're listening to this show and you have plenty of times, you've probably heard plenty of my reviews, and you don't hear a whole heck of a lot of A-pluses out of me. Yep. I'm going to get an A-plus. Yep. Exactly. Um, so we're going to move on to a book that doesn't get an A-plus. Segway, sir. Segway. That's how oh. I do it. Scarlet Spider yep. number 24. Penultimate issue, second to last issue, a busy issue. Um, so, let me just run down real quick all the stuff that happens in this one. Kane sleeps with his friend Annabelle, then surrenders to his friend Wally the cop for being a murderer, then finds out that was actually Shathra he slept with, then gets a rocket launched at his face by that chick named Zoe from way back in the Rangers arc. And that's all in, like, the last ten pages. The first eleven or twelve are, frankly, kind of wasted. So that one gets a C. This issue is a complete mess of of subplots and storylines all trying to come to a head at the same time because the series is ending. And if any of these plots would have gotten featured by itself, they probably would have been quite good. But throwing them all together just served to undercut each other, and it's, it's kind of a shame. You know, I was I, you and I disagreed last month about the Craven arc. This one, I agree. I would even slightly go lower than the C because I, at some points, had no clue who some of these people were. Oh yeah, I mean when the what's her name the Zoe was Long- coming up the elevator said she was Kane's lover. I was looking there like, who the hell is this now? Exactly. He had to I had tell no, me who she no was later for me to for me to figure it out. And the, the, the chick that was disguised as sleeping with Kane, who is that again? Is that the, the Annabelle. queen? Or, oh, who's Shafra. Annabelle? Okay. No, Shafra. Who's Shatra? Shafra is from way back early in the JMS Amazing Spider-Man run. She's one of the totemic villains. She was also called the Spider-Wasp. Remember, Brad, she was the one that like, oh, I had an affair with Spider-Man? Yeah. She went on TV saying she had an affair with oh, Spider-Man, and then she actually had an affair with Kane, because Kane's the way sluttier Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. Okay, it was, okay, it was, it was weird. Was I was together, too, because you got, like, 
Annabelle just all of a sudden just wanting to get it on, and she's just, you know, in Kane's bed. And I'm like, okay, fair deuce, you get it. And and then after that, <laughs> she just gives this random creepy line about, like, my children will love you, and you're like, wait, 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 wait what? What freaking children? And then, like, you know, half an issue later, when five other plots have happened, she turns into Shathra, and you're like, this is something yeah. that gets one panel in this book? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very confusing. Very, very confusing. Well, and uh, something that I pointed out in my review, too, is that a lot of this stuff, I, I really do. I get the the impulse to try to tie up subplots before your book ends, but a lot of this stuff, we wouldn't have felt cheated if it wasn't revisited. Yeah. Zoe from issue nine, when she swore vengeance because her father was put into a coma, I'd forgotten about her. Yeah, if I didn't too. see her again, I wasn't going to be like, damn, where was Zoe? You know, it didn't need to happen. Shothra was... The only time she's been mentioned was there was a tease at the end of a couple of issues that lasted way too long of a tease, really, um, about a year ago, in which Madam Webb had sent a letter to Kane. And finally, after like three teases, we saw the letter, and I didn't know what the hell it was talking about until I posted it... No, I didn't post it. I think it was, just, it was somewhere. Anyway, uh, I put in my review, like, you know, if anybody knows what the hell this is referring to, please tell me. And somebody in the review comments pointed out that some of the letters randomly throughout the thing were colored red, and those letters spelled Shothra. Mm. And that was the only time we have gotten any bit about Shothra in this entire series. It was about a year ago. If we hadn't gotten to it, I would have been fine. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just it's, it's they're just trying. It's to, too bad. It's too bad. Like I said about Yost's team up number six, he's trying to do way too much, juggle too much at once, and it just didn't come together. So C for that book, huh? I don't get to C. Yeah, I'm just going to put that one on average again. I, I get it. It wasn't it wasn't terrible. It read you know, I suppose decently. It was just it was just too much. Yeah. So next up is Mighty Avengers number three. All right. This one, the full team finally comes together to bring down Shumagorath, if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah, Shumagorath. Okay, good. You're, you're the Doctor Strange expert. So I am. <laughs> and the monster. No, he is. I'll, I'll give him that. He, George is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember you were doing a blog and maybe a podcast on that a while ago. Well, I, you know, I ran into blog. I ran into the same problems that I did, you know, when I uh, I had to leave the the podcast originally, which was, you know, I was working 65, 70 hours a week, Word. and just not conducive to uh, trying to put something <laughs> together like that. I hear you. I've 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 abandoned too many projects myself. I've been thinking about that more and more lately about maybe going and and doing a Doctor Strange podcast. I haven't given the idea up, and, and right now, you know, since I haven't worked in a year ever after being laid off, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I've got nothing but free time right now. <laughs> yeah, but that, uh, from my experience, when you've been like out of work for a while and you decide, well, I'm finally going to take on this project, that's when you're going to get busy and you won't be able to do the project. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so in the midst of battle with Shumagorov, great name, um, Spectrum gets a power-up from the Blue Marvel, and Spider-Hero kind of takes point with a keen knowledge of the supernatural, and that's our biggest clue who the guy under the mask is so far, which I think we're still not spoiling on the podcast, because believe it or not, it still hasn't come out in the actual comic book. 
I know. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I haven't read it yet, but Mighty Avengers number four came out today, and I flipped through it just to see if they finally showed him. And they have Spider Hero switching to the identity of Ronan, and they still don't show oh. him under the mask. Still. Still. So anyway, oh. but yeah, it's very it's, strongly it's still supposed to be who we think it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I guess. And really. Okay. When I read this issue, having heard that tease, it made what was going on in this issue make a lot more sense. Because this guy was, like, taking point on the supernatural stuff because he knows about this stuff. Um, also, he didn't. he's, like, one of the first characters I've seen so far to not take Spider-Ox crap. Dr. Ox yeah. tried to get in his face, and he stepped right back in his, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he nearly junk kicks Octo Spidey. Um <laughs> In the end, Cat Farrell asks if this is an official Avengers team, and after a really good speech from Luke Cage, Spectrum declares that they are Avengers. So that is our team being formed. Uh, this one gets an A. Yeah, good job. Definitely the best issue of the series so far. Um, Power Man, White Tiger... Blue Marvel, all officially joined in the fight, and the team came together extremely well. Uh, I have to admit I was going to drop a book just because of money, and I only came back because of the spoiler of Spider-Hero's identity. Um, but it was nice to see some good material with him in this issue. Uh, you know, he's, He actually was doing well. Like I said, it looks like number four is going to feature him as well. So, um, and hey, Al Ewing proved you don't need six issues to bring a team together in modern comics. So that's <laughs> nice. Did it in half right. the Bendis time. Again, my favorite Avengers book this month. I don't know if I'd say that, but it's it's definitely good, solid fun, and it's uh, you know it's had some really. Uh, both of the past two issues have had a really good moment near the end. And number two had, uh, you know, I think it was the 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 New York crowd chanting "Avengers Assemble," which mm-hmm. was what brought Luke Cage up off the ground to start fighting again. And this yeah. one had a really good speech at the end from Luke Cage about you know what it is to be an Avenger, basically. And it's some really solid stuff, and I feel like Ewing really gets the people he's writing and has a good take on the concept of being an Avengers team in a world yeah. where you know there are so many. I want some Iron Fist in this book, though. <laughs> everyone, everyone wants Iron Fist in their damn book. Iron Fist is a pimp. Well, this has got Luke Cage in it. I mean, give me some Iron Fist with it. <sighs> yeah. I'm sure he'll pop up at some point. Uh, yeah, well, he's not doing anything I was about now. To say, Iron Fist actually isn't in a book right now, is he? Right. No, he's not in the uh, Hickman Avengers. I'll tell you what he is doing. He's kicking ass in the Ultimate uh, Spider-Man uh, cartoon. Fair enough. He's the, fair he's, enough. The, he's, he's the best thing about that goddamn thing. And he's also <laughs> on Netflix series, so more power to him. Uh, um, yeah, he does have a Netflix series coming, yeah. Yep. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's funny thinking about that. I didn't realize Iron Fist isn't in anything. Even, you know... Uh, Hickman's got his Avengers world, and that includes Shang-Chi, but, uh, right. but no Iron Fist. That's weird. Shang-Chi and Iron Fist ever team up? Uh, they've been in books together. Yeah, they've they been in some of Bendis' Avengers books together. <clears throat> Back in the early days when you had Heroes for Hire and stuff, and Shang-Chi uh, still had his own mm-hmm. title, they, they, they crossed paths a few times. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, I never read the Shang-Chi or the, uh, the Iron Fist Power Man oh, book. Oh, Brad. <laughs> I'm serious. I, I mean, if you if you just like you know good comics, yeah. I mean that that the issues of uh, of Power Man, and then when it became Heroes for Hire, 
mm-hmm. are are fantastic, and they you know you've got uh, Misty Knight in there, and I mean right. the the relationships just work so well, and they tell really good stories, you know, mostly street level type stuff. But I mean it it is a it, I think it gets overlooked a lot. I think so, there was a lot of really good stuff in, in Marvel in the seventies that really gets overlooked. Uh, a lot of t- I remember one time somebody said, you know, you have a B lister like Shang Chi. I'm like, son, Shang Chi had his own book for over ten years. Exactly. You don't, you're not a B-lister if you had your own book for over t- a decade. And another book from the 70s that Kevin loves, Tomb of Dracula, I've never read. Oh, that Tomb of that's Dracula. Dracula. I, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I mean, anyone listening to this, if you it, and Tomb of Dracula is out there. It's collected. It's in, you know, it, it's in a central right. form. Uh, I've it, got it in three omnibuses. It's awesome. That is a yeah. fantastic Fantastic run. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it and it's the. Th- I mean, here's the here's the thing where the you have a main character who literally talks about Satan. Like he praises <laughs> Satan every now and then. You know, I, I, it's yeah. like wow. Hey, I got that's a you, true, I was just saying true villain the other day that this new Dracula show they've got on NBC is. I think it's an enjoyable vampire show, but it is in no way a Dracula show. And if they were going to want to do a Dracula TV show, they should have done a Tomb of Dracula show. And, you know, Marvel loves doing its TV shows now, so that would actually translate really well, I think. Dracula is not – he should not be romantic. He should be a force of nature like Godzilla that everyone else has to deal with. You know, this this Dracula show pretty much – uh, Cassim has a protagonist, and he's working with Van Helsing. And like, what, what, what the hell are you doing? Um, oh it's not. God. It is not That's a Dracula not... story at all. But it's an interesting thing. Sounds weird. Uh, thanks for saving me the time on that one, Kev. You got it. it um, it's not doing doing very well ratings wise either. I don't. Don't surprise. I don't expect it to last very long. Yeah. We're back. going to the Ultimate Universe now. I guess. Back to Spidey. Oh, are um, we getting? Yeah. Are we getting into the Cataclysm? The end of this stuff? Yep. Yeah, we're ending. Oh, ending allegedly. Oh, good. I'm as happy as a little girl. Bendis and and Bagley drawing it. Yep. Uh, so we got Cataclysm number one. It's not going to take me long to run this down. Galactus touches down on Earth and quickly starts destroying everything, while Miles and the Ultimates try to fight him to no avail. That's it. Um, this one gets a it was C. Pretty. It's pretty. This one gets a C. Uh, <laughs> what's in the issue isn't badly done. What is in the issue? It's got Bagley art, so that's great. Bendis does a competent job of what he decides to show. But the problem is we don't really get much story. And it, it's been a few months now since we first saw Galactus looking at Miles from the sky at the end of Age of Ultron number 10. And between then and now, we have had Hunger number 1 through 4 and Cataclysm number 0.1. That's five three ninety nine books, <laughs> none of which made a damn bit of difference. <laughs> All five of those issues can be skipped, and you would not know you missed an issue. They've so got to. They've got to pad. They've got to pad the trade, Kevin. Dude, that's all Kevin could say to that. I was ready to finally get into the story, and really all I get here is another 399 tease that Galactus is ready to chow down on Ultimate Earth. Well, he took out Jersey, didn't he? But they just need to freaking get there. Well, Kevin, we all know how much Bendis likes writing stories that focus around dinner. And here, Galact- you know, it's a Galactus' turn. Yeah, I mean, well, Galactus he- basically, Galactus is now on an Earth that the Marvel editors will actually let him eat. So he's pretty much got on a lobster bid and he bib, and he's got the utensils out. He's ready Dude, to Galactus go. needs this. His agent's saying, Jack, you got to eat something. You're, you're, you're the devourer of worlds. It's time to, you know, I don't know, maybe devour a world. 
He, he's nom nom nominate Galact- like Cookie Monster. Galact- yeah, Galactus is like, this is it, Lord. This is my time to shine. <laughs> but yeah, and as for the whole argument of, you know, something happened that he took out Jersey, A, yeah. it's New Jersey. And Aww. B, it happened before the issue, Brad. <laughs> when he, well, was, he was touched down in New York when the issue started, and they were like, he's already taken out Jersey. <laughs> Remember what I said? It's a sleeve of Ritz, man. It's, you know, it's half a sleeve of Ritz. Uh, half a sleeve of Ritz is Jersey. Yeah, oh, half man. a sleeve of Ritz crackers. Oh, okay, my goodness. I, and I apologize to anybody in New Jersey. I have never been to New Jersey. I just think it's hilarious how, like, every TV show and comic book and whatnot is set in New York, and they all relentlessly make fun of New Jersey. That's true. <laughs> um, what I'll, happened to number two? <laughs> um, well, we're going to go in order. So before we get to number two, we're going to do Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man number one. See, I didn't know to read it in this order. I read one and two, and then Ultimate Spider. Did you, you notice the difference in that order? Um, no, I did. I didn't notice. The difference. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to read. I'm going to review them in the order they came out. But it doesn't actually make a difference. Although um, Brian Bendis, I saw on Twitter, is like pleading with people not to spoil the last page of uh, Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man number two that came out today before well, reading Cataclysm number three. So it might actually matter. Well, it's because CNN's going to blow it for him anyway. Yeah. Um, I have been blissfully unspoiled so far. I re- three three new spider satellites came out today, but I decided to uh, go ahead and wait until we were done with this podcast because I don't like being like, well, I already know what we're going to talk about next month. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I have no clue what the spoiler is either because I haven't got the book either. Anyway, so Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man number one. Spider-Woman returns to S.H.I.E.L.D. wondering if she's going to be fired for bringing down Roxon, but she ends up wanting to head a task force against Mr. Roxon. If you can't tell already, this is continuing directly from Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 28, more than Cataclysm number one. Um, actually, this kind of takes place before Cataclysm number one, because Galactus ain't quite touched down yet. Um... This could have easily been the next issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh yeah, it basically is. You can this this yeah. is this is Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man. Or no, this is Ultimate Spider-Man number twenty-nine. Um, yeah. And the fact is, Bendis has been say Bendis keeps telling us we're going to get Ultimate Spider-Man Ultimate Spider-Man number two hundred. And somebody asked him like, what's going to count if the, if Cataclysm is going to count? And he said everything he's written that was Ultimate Spider-Man will count towards that numbering. And I think. That means that the last issue of the Ultimate Universe after Cataclysm is over is going to be Ultimate Spider-Man number 200 to close things out. That's, I think, mm. when I was doing the numbering, it looks like that'll work out. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the story. <laughs> um, Miles breaks up a fight at Josie's bar, good reference, and gets a hearty welcome back for some cops, which is nice to see. They love him. They're, they're happy to have him back. Bombshell's told she broke her parole by using her powers and she'll rot in jail like her mother. And Cloak and Dagger find their parents have moved and basically say, screw it, being superheroes felt pretty good. And then they see Galactus. And that's the end of that book. (laughs) 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 This is the kind of movement that we're experiencing on the Cataclysm story. (laughs) Everything's going to be thrown against the wall in the last issue, I guess. I tell you, brother. Um, Actually, you know, spoiler alert, Cataclysm number two that I'm about to review does a lot better. Um... But this one gets an A still. Uh, yeah, I have to admit it had this had absolutely jack to do with Cataclysm. But you know, having having Galactus appear at the very end could easily have been something that was done with Ultimate Spider-Man number twenty nine. Not a book with Cataclysm in the title. That said, 
I don't give much of a rat's ass because it's some more excellent, excellent Ultimate Spider-Man from Bendis and Marquez. I loved every second of it. I don't care what the title on the front is. Every character's spot on. I love the trajectories they all seem to be going. Spider-Woman's interactions with the Ultimates um, when they acted, when she accidentally revealed that she was a clone of Peter Parker. Yeah. Fantastic. Especially Tony's sort yeah. of fascination. Um, interestingly, when they asked how Miles did... It cut to a, you know, it was it's one of those those frequent uh, comic book devices where the end of the dialogue of one scene is put in a caption box over the next scene, and usually that's done because there's some relation between the two. So at the end of this scene, they ask Spider Woman how Miles did, um, and then we cut to a scene of Miles. We see Miles, and over him, there is a caption of her saying, "He was all caps amazing." Now. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Is it possible if Superior Spider-Man continues and Miles gets moved to 616 that he could be the new Amazing Spider-Man? I didn't even think of that. I wonder if that's a tease. Maybe he's going to take over the title at least for a bit. Mm. You know, he also took over Ultimate Spider-Man from Peter Parker. Maybe he takes over another Peter Parker's title. I, I think the real wow. news. I think the real news from that issue is that uh, Tony Tony Stark was apparently infatuated with a chick. That's never happened before. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna bang the female Peter Parker clone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how awkward is that? Uh, okay. You know what? That would be a neat way to do an Amazing Spider-Man number one again, which they love to do. Yeah, and it would actually oh. that would be one time where it would make sense to make it a number one. Yeah, and then cont- then relaunch Superior Spider-Man number one with Peter Parker. Oh yeah, if not that, then I'm assuming once you know if if Superior lasts one more year. We're going to get it at the same time Amazing Spider-Man number 750 on its return, and we'll, we'll still get mm-hmm. Spider-Man number 50. Yeah. Um, oh what a headache. That yeah, is a headache. Just basically, Mar- what Marvel is telling you is that you are a nerd if you care about numbering. Stop trying to figure it out. Well, that's their <laughs> reaction to anything that you don't like. Move out of your parents' basement, jackass. <laughs> Another thing, Tom Brevoort, uh, a fan on his form spring or whatever, <laughs> uh, suggested that they... Uh, they do the dual numbering like they used to, like issue one, but in a little box, say issue 701, 702. And he was like, you know what? We kept screwing that up a lot. We couldn't count right, so we're not going to do that anymore. Well, it's basically like, what they're doing with this, you know, yeah. it's 24 dot now, but number one in all new Marvel now. I mean, what's the difference? I, I, I would just like to know where the hell I file this stuff. And I, I know that's not their concern, mm-hmm. but... I'm also a long-time buyer, and don't piss me off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? And the, I use a website called comicbookdb.com to keep track of yeah. my collection. Uh, the good thing with them is they always go by the uh, indicia in the inside, you know, the inside cover stuff. And, right. Uh, that seems to be staying normal. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. Plus, Brad, just plus Brad remember, you're not really the audience. Remember, Brevert and Wacker are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, let's let's do Cataclysm number two and wrap up the Ultimate Universe. With some- okay. This one. He's still he's still got his Red Lobster bib on, right? I heard <laughs> you. Stuff happens. <laughs> All right. The first time in this whole story, we've had what? Hungry number one to four point one number one. Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man number one. There was also I didn't review Cataclysm Ultimates number one and Cataclysm Ultimate X-Men number one. That makes this the tenth issue of this story so far, and for the first time, something will happen. Yeah. Holy crap! <laughs> so Miles and the Ultimates link up, uh, but Tony Stark has figured out there is no way to fight Galactus. 
period. He also figured out that he has the same sort of dimensional energy signature on him as the Spider-Man that came from our world. Remember that Spider-Man miniseries, guys? It matters. Uh, <laughs> so he goes to Mysterio, because if you remember, our you know 616 world Mysterio got stuck, locked up in the Ultimate Universe at the end of that miniseries. Um, he goes to Mysterio to ask what the hell this is. Mysterio tells him that Reed Richards saved the world from Galactus, and since Ultimate Reed Richards is a homicidal maniac, they decided that they need to go through the dimensional portal, which is hilariously still up and running on a New York rooftop somewhere. How, how they let that happen, I don't know. It's got, like, pigeon poop on it. Well, it's like, you know, I, I assume they did something with this portal between dimensions, but they just go back to this rooftop, and there it is. Wow. Like, dude, <laughs> anything can fly love, through there. I love that they grill uh, Mysterio, too. Like, he knows all about the uh, uh, Fantastic 448. I, I did love, uh, yeah, that, yeah. you know, Bendis wrote it. It, it wasn't one of those things where just, oh, everybody in the universe knows everything about everything. He wrote Mysterio. is like, I don't play in that level, man. I don't know details about Galactus. Where's Reed Richards in all this? Well, Ultimate Reed Richards is, uh, as I said, a homicidal maniac. He's been the the biggest villain of the Ultimates for the past since the last relaunch. He is in prison. Yeah, um, I bet they'll skip that there. when they do the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's it pretty good. After the whole... Uh, after Jeff Loeb's really terrible Ultimate event, whose title I forget... Ultimatum. Um, basically, yeah, Ultimatum. Ultimatum. Crap yeah. happened, Reed Richards went nuts, and Bendis was like, you know, screw it, we're going we're gonna to do full-on supervillain with him. Because um, I think this universe is Dr. Doom is dead, so they basically may put him in the Doom spot. And he, <clears throat> it, Hickman did a pretty good job with, uh, with that when he started the Ultimates again. I agree, anyway, I agree. Um, so, they're going through the portal to get help from the original recipe, Reed. <laughs> Miles volunteers for the trip, um, because basically, like, dude, you... You don't need me. Uh, Tony Stark needs to stay here and be smart. But Ultimate Reed shows up to tag along since he has the same body as 616 Reed and can probably get into his lab if he's not there. So they're all like, oh, well, he's a homicidal maniac, but he's got a point. So, uh, <laughs> and it's a good thing that he planned ahead for that since, as we know from Fraction's Fantastic Four, he ain't home. <laughs> they are not right. going to find yeah. Richards. That's true. Um, and then on the final page, the X-Men finally watch the damn news. <laughs> Which I found hysterical. We've had, like, you know, again, ten issues of this so far. And the X-Men have The no last clue, page yeah. of this, the X-Men flip on CNN, and it's like, well, that's a big guy in a purple skirt in New York, isn't it? Exactly. And I don't even read Ultimate X-Men, and I'm like, oh, uh, who the hell's on this cast? Yeah, I dropped that like oh. it was hot. Uh, one yeah. other time, Brian Woods. What happened, what happened to Ultimate uh, Galactus that was made out of, like, space bees or whatever? He, they actually joined yeah. Galactus. Uh, the Galactus Swarm was what the ultimate thing was, and they basically saw Galactus recognize a similar but superior being and just joined with him. And now Galactus is bigger and badder and has a fleet. I, I like that the uh, ultimate version realizes a superior being in the original. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> you know, the ultimate universe was terrified of the Galactus Swarm, but. That even they are seeing Galactus now like, oh, this is so much worse. There's no way to fight this. Which was funny because, like, remember the reason they did the Galactic Swarm uh, Ultimate uh, Galactus thing was because they thought the real Galactus was kind of silly. It's like a big giant guy, and I mean, ooh, I that's not scary did. at all. It, I think – I don't think original Galactus fits in too well with what they were doing with the Ultimate Universe at the time. 
since then, the Ultimate Universe has gotten a bit more fantastical and has it doesn't have to stick to the leather-suited <laughs> X-Men fighting the sl- stuff anymore. The sl- swarm reminds me too much of that Fantastic Four movie, but the cloud. Yeah, but you actually see Galactus's head in it. Yeah, you see it, kind of. Yeah, the Galactus anyway. Swarm is a completely different thing than Galactus, basically. I mean, it's yeah. it's just a similar idea of if it shows up, your world is done. Um, anyway, this gets an A. Some sarcasm aside, this was a really solid issue. It's Bendis and Bagley, awesome Miles Morales moments, end of the world as we know it, party. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was a straightforward good time where stuff finally happened. I really enjoyed it, and I tell you, there was a great, great image near the beginning of this thing uh, that really gives you some scale, where you see little Miles Morales clinging to just a part of the head of Galactus. It's like, dude. He almost flicked him like a little fly, didn't he? Yeah, it was was really, really, it was a great image, and just, it was a wonderful way to show you the scale of this thing. And I, I like him questioning, I'm just, even though I've got spider powers, what the hell am I going to do against yeah. this guy? You know? Yeah, it was exactly. Neat. But you know what? I mean, really that that's true to the spirit of Spider-Man, because, you know, Peter Parker himself would be in that same situation. He would be like, exactly. what can I do, but I have to do something. Exactly. That's exactly that's what Miles did. Pages going, yeah. you know, I, this is completely beyond my level. I have no idea what to do with this. But at some point, he's like, well, i got to do something. Webs onto a helicopter going in that direction and attaches himself to Galactus's head. Yeah. Anyone, who, uh, anyone who wears the webs ought to be – that ought to be the mindset. It's like, I, I don't know what I can do, but by God, I'm going to do something. Yeah, and I know you that's don't – That's why I like Miles. Yeah, story, I like but, him. But Miles is a really incredible way that Bendis has uh, been true to the spirit of what Spider-Man is. I think he's really nailed it. Well, I don't. I don't mind the character so much. Like, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see what happens. To, you know, what they do with him when he comes over to the regular universe. My thing about Miles was that is that the whole thing felt like a gimmick mm-hmm. early on. And, you know, but I mean, they've stuck with it for a long time, and I, I hear nothing but uh, but good things about it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Cheers. So that's the Ultimate Universe dying, not slowly, uh, or not quickly. I mean. <laughs> so um, two more. Well, yeah, what we got here, folks, <laughs> is two issues of A plus X. Now, A plus X number 14 came out this month, and that is the new issue that we will be reviewing. Before that, though, I discovered I didn't even realize a couple of months ago I missed A plus X number 11, which was also a Spider-Man story. So I got that from my local back issue bin and uh, gave it a read so I can review it for you people so you don't have to read it because it's not that good. Um, <laughs> Even I didn't buy this one. Yeah, Brad didn't buy a Spider-Man story. <laughs> Something <laughs> went wrong with the advertising. <laughs> um, it, well, it probably has to do with the fact that uh, Thor and Magic are on the cover of this thing, and you have two little circles in the top corners showing Spider-Man and Cyclops, and I'm sure you completely missed that. Yeah, I'm out. Um, so... We got Cyclops is chasing Malice, who's a body-snatching mutant villain, and since it looks like he's targeting regular people, Octo Spidey swoops in and kicks him in the face. But once (laughs) Otto realizes what's going on, he tricks Malice into taking Cyclops' body, and she can't control his recently broken mutant power. If you haven't been reading Bendis' X-Men, the whole Phoenix thing, uh, well, it's exactly what I just said. It broke his power. It's not working correctly anymore. It's very... (laughs) 
uh, volatile and out of control. So Spider-Man's able to best her because she can't figure that out fast enough. And in the end, Cyclops wakes up in a lab of Spider-Man's and he gives Cyclops a vial containing what he says is malice. This one gets a C. It's it's not bad, but it's very pedestrian and mediocre. Uh, of course, it's only ten pages since A plus X issues contain two stories. Thankfully, it manages to be better than the pretty terrible Thor and Magic story in the front of the book. Um, I'm sorry I read that because I can't even say that I have to review that for a show. It's just time I won't get back. Um, <laughs> and if you're interested, this uh, Cyclops and Spider-Man story was done by Jim Kruger uh, and artist Ron Lim, who of course has a little bit of history with. Oh, wow! Ron Lim came back. Ron Lim came back, and I gotta say his oh. art is is better than I remember it. You know, he did a pretty good job. With art. I like Ron Lim. I was I love a huge fan Surfers. of the '90s. Um, but I thought, loved his Silver Surfer. I mean, I thought he did a pretty good job with this story. <clears throat> he uh, his his style, and I've I've always liked him in the fact that he was professional. He could stick to a deadline and get things done. Yeah. And the artwork was was always you know it, for me it wasn't dynamic enough to be like Grandmaster level, mm-hmm, but it was right. always solid storytelling. Yeah, and that's what I would say about this issue. It didn't really pop out and make me go, mmm, that's some tasty art. But it definitely, it told the story well, it was clear, you know, and it, you know, the characters looked good, so I, that's all I can ask. <laughs> I, remember, I remember during Infinity Gauntlet, the first four issues were done by George Perez, and then the last two issues were <laughs> done by Ron, Ron Lim, who is, yeah. I mean, he's good. He's no George Perez. Yeah. <laughs> you no. know, and people were like, what the, WTF? What is this? What is this? Yeah, but saying, well, saying a guy is was, no George Perez is not an insult, though. <laughs> no, it's well, not. Lim was penciling Silver Surfer that set up Infinity Gauntlet, so I think it was a natural choice to pick him. Yeah, you got to pick that guy, though. Exactly. That's, and he did a good and, job with the, with the next two Infinity things. Yeah, and Lim also penciled the uh, part of the Maximum Carnage. Remember that? He did ult- the Ultimate issues. Yeah. I, I believe he did some Clone Saga, too. I definitely remember his style yeah. of the Clone Saga, but I just I don't he remember did. liking it back then, but it's I think it's better now. Yeah, well, that would have made me pick up the book if it said Ron Lim drawing Spider-Man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Spider-Man Damn was it. barely on the cover. The creator's names weren't anywhere near it. Well, son of a bitch. All right, go ahead. So the next <laughs> one uh, is A plus X number 14. Uh, this mm-hmm. is Spider-Man and Magneto. Spider-Rock okay. breaks into an underground vault in a random old western ghost town in Nebraska. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I, know, right? I, I was reading this going, what? What? Why? What? Um, what? So he breaks into this underground vault only to find Magneto already there. Uh, the two are both on the trail of a young boy who has been captured by MODOK. <laughs> oh, so, no. Uh, I like whole Nebraska ghost town thing. It's an aim base. <laughs> Um, but Magneto reveals that the boy's a mutant. That's why Magneto's there. And it's pretty much Magneto monologues about how silly and stupid supervillains are. Uh, and the two work their way through multiple levels of aim traps to get to the basement within a kind of very similar thing to Superior Foes this month. Uh, why is Spider-Man there again? Uh, Avengers sent him. Okay. Avengers sent him, the X-Men sent Magneto, and they're both like, hey, what are you doing here? Okay, um, so... Anyway, when they do get to the basement, Magneto pretty much crunches Modoc like a Coke can because, you know, what can Modoc <laughs> do against Magneto? Uh, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> but when they rescue the boy, the boy is like, you know, is my parents were killed because this, because I'm a mutant, so I hate mutants, and he vows revenge on them before flying away. Including himself? Uh, apparently. Self-hating. B-minus, I'm giving this one. It's a little better than A plus X number 11. Um, 
it, it, it's more fun. Uh, but there's nothing new here. Magneto's deconstruction of supervillains can be amusing, mostly because he's unknowingly talking to Dr. Octopus, but it's, it's nothing we haven't heard before. And it has a bit of uh, video game levels motif, uh, which isn't bad, but also not new. I've seen it before. Best part is Magneto just swatting around Modok. You know, that would be fun. I didn't That'd think about initial. it when they said Modok, you know, until he actually, until you see Modok and Magneto face to face, and you realize, oh god, <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> person for Modok to face. This is not going to end well for one of these people. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Um, this one, uh, this one was written by Max Demis, who is the lead singer of a band called Say Anything, and this is his first comic book work. Uh, oh. But he's he's apparently I was reading on CBR today. He's got a, an indie comic coming out from one of the indie publishers, and yeah, for a first effort, it was quite good, honestly. Um, so I say the stuff that he, these kind of themes he worked with aren't new, but you know, considering it's. His first time writing, he's writing a short story. I can't blame him for not coming up with you know brand new stuff, never before seen in the superhero genre for sixty years. Um, but well, congrats for him for writing a, a Marvel book. That's that's a big thing for him, I imagine. Yeah, and the fact that he made so, it pretty yeah. entertaining. You know, I, I honestly, yeah. Jim Kruger is a guy that's written plenty of comics over the years, but I thought this was better written than than Kruger's Spider-Man story from a few issues ago. All right, um, and the the art was by David Lafuente, who is a, an Ultimate Spider-Man veteran. Yeah, I recognize that. So say his art is better here, just like Ron Lim's was, because he was he was the one in Ultimate Spider-Man that gave Spider-Man a football head. Oh, yeah, that's the guy. Okay, yeah. I always had yeah. a problem with that, but uh, his his Octo Spidey has an actual human head, so that's nice. Wasn't he the one before uh, what Pacelli? Is that her name? Yeah, but it was. He, he followed Eminent, I think. He was he was the artist on the first relaunch. It was Bagley and Eminem on the first volume, and the second volume was La Fuente and some other people, maybe a little bit of Pacelli, and then Pacelli launched the third volume, which is the current yeah. volume, and then Marquez, who's yeah. just oh, fantastic. I love Marquez. Um, and and if you're interested, the second story in this one was part two of a multi-issue Cyclops and Captain America story that was pretty awful. Uh, wow. Captain America's written like he's a drill sergeant stereotype in this story. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's, it's really bad. I don't, I don't know what the point there is, but it's not working. Yeah. I, I mainly just dropped AVX because it was like a Marvel 2-in-1, only without the thing. Well, a, a, yeah, A-plus-X is Marvel team-up with a different name. Uh, exactly. And two stories yeah. per issue. And, I mean, I tell you what, the team-up concept must be working for them pretty well right now because they've got two team-up books running, both at three ninety nine. You got A-plus-X and Spider-Man team-up, both at the same time. Well, well A-plus-X is ending, too, I think. Is it? Yeah. I don't think it's been solicited very far. I think it's. Uh, I, I don't I think ever paid. Well, no, no, they've uh, they in February solicitations, which is the most recent one. Uh, I just remember they solicited A plus X number seventeen, which has oh, a Spider Man and Cyclo- uh, Spider Man and Psylocke flashback story. That's an actual Peter Parker story. That's right. That's right. So I'll be reviewing okay. that for for Spider Satellites for February. I didn't even order that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you keep doing that. I'll keep telling you how they were. There you go. All right, I'm I think that's your ten, isn't it? From from Spider Satellite for this for this episode. Okay. The rest of them are up to you, brother. All right, Superior Carnage number five. We're wrapping up this uh, mini series. Uh, the art except, is a little bit different. Except you remember what was announced in the February slits, Brad? It's oh, getting an annual. Con- a mini series is getting an annual, George. You believe that? <laughs> And George, uh, not what? only is it an annual for miniseries, it's by a completely different creative team. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cullen Bunn Cullen, of Venom, uh, yeah. uh, uh, the, you know, the guy that tanked Venom, is coming <laughs> in to finish off Carnage. 
Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I think it was. Uh, if you look at the last page of this book, I'm doing this backwards, but uh, <laughs> where the letter where the letters page is, it has a tease for that Cullen and Bun book. It's called Carnage Homecoming. So I think they did what uh, they were originally going to call it, Carnage Homecoming, but they were like, oh, let's just make it an annual. That makes sense. Something. I mean, I know like. Uh, they still have one shot sometimes from one to another. I remember the uh, Arms of the Octopus crossover. The yeah. that one issue was originally solicited as Superior Spider-Man special, and by the time we actually got it in our hands, it was Superior Spider-Man team-up special. So like somebody like, this will this makes more sense. And the Morel uh, Spider-Man <laughs> that went was through to three be, titles before it came out. Yeah, it was supposed to be Frost, and then it was supposed to be Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Now it's just Amazing Seven Hundred Point One. Anyway, poor guy. Uh, we're starting this book off, Mr. Uh, let me do the credits. Who wrote the damn thing? Shinnick, okay. right? Okay, uh, Mr. Shinnick. Pencils by Steven Segovia with Dan Mexia. That's why the pencils are off just a little bit. Um, basically, the last issue, uh, Kang, not, not Kang, uh, what's his name? Wizard? Um, no, 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 the sound guy. Claw. Claw. Claw, there we go. I knew it was four letters. Not the God claw, almighty. No. Kang and Claw, yeah. Claw. I can see where you get the two confused. <laughs> well, they're four letters each. Jesus you know, How long you have you been reading another... Marvel, Jomo? You want to hear another four-letter word, George? All right. Anyway, Claw has been uh, disrupted. He's up in the sound wave, and he starts with a voiceover. And basically, he talks about um, what the symbiote has been through over its history. And uh, the last narrating the history of the current symbiote. I don't know how he can do that. Exactly. uh, I know. Well, he's made a sound. I would assume he can narrate any damn thing he wants. Here we go. Here's the explanation how he can narrate the symbiote. Being made of sound, however, means my particles have been returned to the sound wall, the acoustic fabric that binds the universe together. On one hand, it seems like heaven because I can see things on a different plane. On the other, it seems like hell because I've been retained my anger and regret. So anything that's ever been said, apparently he knows? Exactly. Uh, oh for, God. for being part of the sound wall gives me new perspective, uh, a distance uh, from where I can observe where we made our mistakes. So either they just made Claw God, or he's going to have to forget all this stuff the next time he come, becomes corporeal. Yeah. Because similar to how it takes sound from distant planets various years to reach Earth, sound from across time are just now hitting my consciousness. I've, I've, I've had enough of this writing at this point, Brad. You can go on. Uh, okay. that's, anyway, so that's, he, I'm, he, I'm, I'm not really um, encouraged that this is the guy that's taking over team up. Oh, <laughs> God. I actually, I don't mind this issue. But anyway, he goes through the history of how Carnage bonded with Cletus Cassidy. And... Um, uh, from days past, I hear the cries of betrayal is like a foster child. The symbiote is passed from host to host. And then it shows how uh, the symbiote was on Spider-Man at one point. It was Spider-Carnage. Then it stuck to the Silver Surfer for a point. Then it was on a woman. Who was, the, who was Carnage bonded to as a woman? I don't remember that one. But anyway. I don't either. Was, wasn't it Venom's wife? No, that was no, the Venom symbiote. Carnage. Oh, was it? It was Carnage. Anyway, um... But basically, uh, the, the, all the symbiote wants is to be with its family, which is Cletus. And that is what the wizard wants. He wants to be with his family, with his son, uh, Bentley oh, 23. Wait, are you sure it was showing the Carnage symbiote on a woman, or was it the symbiote, the Carnage symbiote spawned in that first Carnage miniseries that became, that bonded with a woman and became, I can't remember its name now. 
I don't know. I it's basically it's carnage with breasts. Is what I wow. see right. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Basi- basically, the symbiote has bonded to the wizard because they both have something in common, which is family, which is important to them. The symbiote wants to be with Cletus. Uh, the wizard wants to be with Bentley 23. And so he starts taking on a spider ock. And he's uh, has dialogue like, you promised me my son, and that wasn't the deal, wizard. And uh, they fight. There's a big fight with Spider-Man. And uh, Spider-Man slaps a bitch at some point. This is kind of cool. Uh the one of Sp- the Spider Minions runs up to Spock and goes, "Spider Man, there's a boy on the scene claiming to be the Wizard's son." And uh, Carnage goes, "Yes." And then Spider Man straight up smacks this guy like a like a backhanded bitch slap with the sound effect swack. <laughs> if we can, uh, anyway. Uh, so uh, Carnage is even more ticked. He was like, "I want my son. I want my son. I want Bentley 23." We go through there and. Uh, Spock is like, br- uh, let's do plan B. So they bring Cletus Cassidy, who is beat to hell. Uh, he's, uh, he's essentially a vegetable. He, he has no brain consciousness. His body is just torn up. And again, you don't see below the waist. Well, because... Uh, do you, do you want to see below his waist, Brad? No, this is an ongoing problem we've had, George. Remember, that they won't reveal <laughs> whether or not he still has those... Uh, Cybernetic legs, because I know like I screwed that I up. remember I remember we were talking about that. You know, we've been talking about it for a while now. I'm just accusing Brad of like, do you, do you need to see the dong? I mean, uh, no, I just want to see the. Rip. You're like when when Lord, wait, I need the, wait, can I, I need the tear. <laughs> I need the tear. Anyway, uh, they bring the, uh, Cletus out, and the the symbiote is like, that's what I want. I want to go back to my family. So he exits the wizard and runs towards the corpse, or not the corpse, just the body of uh, Cletus. And this, that poor bastard, who what scientist that's been in this miniseries for all five issues, who I have no clue, he tries to take a bite out of him. Uh, and at the last moment, Claw, who's been narrating this whole damn thing, gets a big old spark and just uh, electrocutes the symbiote uh, for a two-page spread. And so the symbiote is taken out with Cletus Cassidy's body laying on the ground. And Spock yells, contain the symbiote! And uh, the wizard is kind of like a, a, a vegetative state. He gets put on an ambulance. The symbiote is put in a little container that, as we've seen in the Superior Team-Up books, the container that holds the Sinister Six, the underground layer that the Spock is containing all his villains, they've put the symbiote there. Then we go to uh, an undisclosed maximum security really? hospital wing. And... Um, Claw, I mean, uh, uh, the wizard is, is uh, instant messaging. He's sitting in front of a computer. He just looks dead, but he gets an instant message. Because, you know, in the security wing, they've got the internets. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he gets an instant message from Bentley 23, and the instant message says, Dad, saw footage of uh, you in City Hall. Are you okay? And then the wizard uh, smiles for the first time. And then cut to um, how the, sim- they, the two scientists and the scientist and one of spider minions is walking down the hallway and they're talking about how the symbiote is repairing people that wear it. And so that repaired uh, the wizard and then you cut to a scene of Cletus Cassidy who has his brain back and he's writing on the wall with a big old smile on his face, Carnage Rules. And then the end. 
So Car- Cletus Cassidy has his brain back. Yeah, uh, yeah, Salute for the annual already revealed that the whole point of the annual is getting uh, Cletus back with the symbiote. <laughs> exactly. Uh, B, out of me, it's not horrible. I, I like it better than the past Carnage miniseries. Uh, but really, it was it was a wizard story. Cletus Cassidy didn't say anything in the book. The symbiote ran around the back. They couldn't really call this a superior wizard book, could they? Uh, and no, it sounds it. pretty pointless. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, well, the only thing it does is reverse the stupid end of Minimum Carnage where he got lobotomized. Yeah, it it undid that. He's got his brain back. The symbiote cure, uh, cures the body. It heals the body, evidently. So the end of that, Superior Carnage Annual is coming up. On to crap. Uh, <laughs> Brad, are you, just, are you just mad because there wasn't an appearance by the Code of Tongues? Well, no, I have. What, what, I've had enough of coated tongues. I, I I can't take that much more. But that was that was the standing out moment of last number four. I just couldn't take that. Oh, there, there there's the picture of Carnage with breasts. All right, thank okay, you. Okay, that's is, I think it's a mistake. <laughs> that's the wasp from uh, an issue of Mighty Avengers uh, from a story called Venom Bomb when Doctor Doom just like freaking launched symbiotes. Maybe At that was who that was in the in the book. I didn't know who the female of Carnage was. Okay, uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man number two of five, three ninety nine cover price. Mark Kent writing Marco Matt Rudy Kent. and Matt Kent. Sorry, Marco Rudy on pencils. Val Staples on inks on uh, colors. I'm sorry, and he actually uh, sent a letter or an email and thanked our reviewer. For on the front page, the uh, the colorist. So I appreciate that for him visiting the site. Uh, it, Kevin reviewed the issue last month. Basically, Spider-Man's tripping. Guess what happens in number two, Kevin? Does Spider-Man trip some more, Brad? Spider-Man trips for four dollars. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we're up to eight dollars for Spider-Man tripping now. Oh yeah, he's still tripping. Uh, the first page uh, starts with his eye opening, and I'll, I'll give I'll give the artist this. It's it's not my my take. My taste, but it's not bad. It's not not unattractive. It's just there's no story for him to tell. Uh, I really have. It's like the guy said. You know what? I bet you they've never done 99 villains in a Spider-Man book where he has to fight them all. How can he do 99 villains? He can take some drugs. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> basically, basically, Spider-Man's fallen out of a plane, and uh, on board the plane we had Mysterio, Sandman, Hydra-Man, and the Shocker. And he fights the Shocker. I'm flipping through this fast because there's absolutely no story. It's just fight scenes. Um, there's very... I, 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 I don't know what's going on. I really don't. And in the middle of the art, there's these simplistic little square drawings of like... Uh, like Spider-Man's inside Sandman, which is odd. Uh, and it ha- has a guy running in red shorts I'm assu- with... with just a shorts and, and no, no shirt and, and uh, it looks like Spider-Man. He's chasing a guy in green shorts. I guess that's Sandman. And then I I don't know. I, I can't. I audio wise I can't really describe yeah, what I'm seeing. Assuming this makes as much sense as the first issue, I don't think there's going to be an adequate description. It, 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 and and there was there was a uh, scene in this book that made me think of uh, it, it just made me think bad things because I I, I, I can go pervy sometimes but. Uh, <laughs> I can't, 
but the, but when when Spider-Man's trapped inside the Sandman, I've never heard dialogue quite like this. Oh let God, me, let me read that's it. not a good time for that. Okay, Sp- Sandman always. This is Spider-Man talking. Sandman always grossed me out. His body, the sand, and is is an extension of it. And uh, so whenever he grabs me or pushes himself around, oh, no. I always want what body, what part of his body it is. Oh. Cut to a scene of Spider-Man lifting his mask and spitting sand out of his mouth. What the hell? Says, whatever he grabs me with or pushes him around, I always wonder what part of his body it is. I'm, and he's spitting it out of his mouth. So wonder what part of the body that could be. Uh, I'm, I'm a 38-year-old man. I think I guess what they're implying right there. Uh, <laughs> what is Marvel Publishing, for God's sake? Who wrote this? Oh, okay. Matt uh, Mark, Kent, he's uh, yeah. he's become the new golden child at DC right now. I don't know what exactly he's doing doing a Spider-Man story. It's because nobody so, wants to work for DC right now. Yeah, Man. he's writing like half their books because I mean he he basically did one indie comic I think called Mind Management that people seem to like, and then they tested him out on like backup stories in Justice League of America, and as all of the writers started to leave DC, I guess he was like, I'll take that book, I'll take that book, I'll take that book, and now he's writing them all. And so honestly, I've not really liked anything I've read from him. Nothing personal. I just don't. I just don't enjoy his style. This is not a good representation of something I like either. Basically, the 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 whole scene is taking place on a plane that's crashing. So we've got Hydra Man and Sandman, etc. Uh, let's see. Now he's fighting Hydra Man. He's still tripping. Uh, he has dialogue like "back off, drippy." Oh. Uh, let's. And then uh, Electro comes in. No, wait a minute. Is that? That's uh, Shocker. Shocker and Hydra Man together. Worst team up ever, he says. Okay, they're still fighting. They're still fighting. Uh, let's see. There's nobody flying the damn plane. Probably because he's on. Uh, he's still tripping. Spider-Man falls out of the plane. He falls to the ground, and the dialogue is, That's weird. The master plan was to drop me in the ocean to drown. Not likely. These guys never worked like this together. So who's rallying the troops to be the organize to get this organized, they need a boss, a general, a kingpin. Uh, end end of book. All right. Now I I read the review on our front page and it mentioned that Spider Man killed the Shocker in this issue. If he did, I was tripped out because I don't remember the son of a bitch. Basically, doing something that. about you fried him with Hydro Man in a way that wouldn't act, shouldn't actually kill the Shocker because you know it doesn't pretty work that way. He's tripping, so he, he it doesn't matter. It mm. doesn't really matter. Uh, on to issue Well, it's also completely non-continuity, so... Yeah. Uh, okay, open the book up. Uh, he's... Uh, this is number three, uh, yeah? Number three. We've moved on. Uh, I give one grade to both of them. F... No, F for that. <laughs> F. I mean, F you, F me, F everybody yeah. on that one. <laughs> uh, this one's called Spider-Man 99 Problems Come Combat. Not any problems. Got ninety nine problems and a plot ain't one. Yeah, I was just about to say plot ain't one. (laughs) Okay, uh, it just so happens. Then we cut. I don't know where the hell he he's drowning in the ocean, and then a hand comes down and grabs him and puts his ass on a submarine. And then you cut to a click uh, click. Ticking clock. That's hard to say. <laughs> and then we have a, 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 a tight shot of some cleavage. Granted, I like cleavage unless it's attached to the queen. Oh. I hate the queen. The queen came back. Kevin, you believe this? Why would you do that? Of course, you know, look at the story we're talking about. 
when you have 99 villains, the Queen's got to be one, evidently. And <laughs> Jack Queen is never, in this, hasn't he? The Queen has never been in a story I like. It's continuing the trend. Uh, anyway. Uh, well, at least, you know, this is one story that you you can't say she killed. It was already dead before she got there. No, it was, we had two issues to kill it, and she's just freaking stepping on it. <laughs> Uh, she sang dialogue like you're going to die down here deep in the ocean of my love Uh, but there is no reason that you can't leave a legacy children so she's wanting to reproduce with Spider-Man as he's dying on a submarine and Spider-Man says are you did this just happen already are you talking plans for the future it's already over Spider-Man oh that's what I'm afraid of he breaks free uh what what the hell's going on here? I'm, I'm I need to roll this book up and smoke it. Uh, <laughs> That's I have, the real reason it's three ninety nine. Okay, so he trips even more. He tri- the queen uh, goes through a door. The door gets all squiggly. <laughs> and he walks, the door is squiggly. He goes through the door, and Venom and Carnage are on the other side. Of course they are. And they're inside the sub. He fights him, them in the sub. Uh, time slows down. You're becoming aware of only those things pertinent to your survival. Uh, he claimed you could see the bullets through the air, blah, blah, blah. He's fighting Carnage. I don't know how the hell he beats Carnage and Venom. <sighs> well, you don't, you don't actually get to see how anything happens in this series. I got no. I got one panel of Morbius biting Spider-Man, then like another panel of Man-Wolf biting Spider-Man, then they're just on the floor. Like, so I'm glad I bought this. Yeah. Uh, again, the artwork isn't that bad. It's very existential, I guess is the word for it. It's the, very out there. The guy is up David Mack's ass. I give you that. I give you that. Wow. Um, anyway, something loud comes... Oh, oh! I forgot. Spider-Man pulls Venom's tongue off. That's a scene. Like you do. Uh, <laughs> and then somebody has a loud sonic boom, and they all stop, and he shuts the door, and they're done. Uh, then uh, he goes through another door of the submarine, and he sees the, the scarecrow yelling, They killed my babies! I love that you're actually trying to summarize this nonsensical well, crap. Dude, I'm reading it page by page to you all, just so you can get the visualization of how weird this tripped out shit was. Well, you remember my, uh, my review of, or my summary for you of the first issue was Spider-Man trips, and I thought I covered the whole thing pretty well. Well, I'm, I'm tripping. Uh, if I got to do five issues of some bitch, I mean, my god. <laughs> and, and how uh, much was this? This is uh, three ninety nine again. Oh. Hold on. This is what Marvel thinks uh, of its readers, Brad. Anyway, you killed my babies! You killed my babies! Again, he's on the ground yelling. And then he goes through another door. Does he mean pieces of straw? What the hell is he talking about? What's he talking about? Uh, Oh, the crows. The crows are his babies, and the crows are dying. That makes total sense. Because they're all on the ground. He said sarcastically. You're not thinking about the circumstances that brought you to this point. The point where you're staring down the barrel of an enemy's gun. You're not trying to even accomplish the mission at this point. You're not trying to die. That's why I don't mind slipping by Scarecrow here. It's not fighting means dying. He doesn't even give a shit that he killed the babies. He's moving on to the next door with Tombstone. All right, Tombstone, what's up, man? Uh, I'm out. He's going to the next door. Uh, This is a total video game. Mm-hmm. Okay, goes through the next door. Wait to get to the boss level. Yeah. Oh, he, uh, we've got to the boss level, level. It's got a little radiation sign on the door. He's like, eh, I think I'll go through this door. Doop, 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 doop. Oh, it's Nitro. Nitro's hooked up to a whole bunch of shit from Civil War. Uh, <laughs> he goes, hey, Nitro, what up, dog? 
What have uh, they done to you? What's do- who's doing this t- to all of you? Did he actually say, what up, dog? No, no, I, I had a little ad-lib there. George. You know, I was, I was uh, 95% sure that was a joke <laughs> with this comic. <laughs> Uh, and Nitro goes, do you know what it's like, what it's like, to, what it is like to die over and over again? I'm like, yes, I paid three ninety nine for this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my real power. I just wanted to be gone, maybe take Iron Man or somebody with me. He bankrupt me years ago, left me for nothing, and I got this power, a blow up, bleh, blow up both, and the, for those precious split seconds, I do die. It's all over again. Oh, Spider-Man. And then you see the clock. Kind of like uh, Todd McFarlane's Doom, Doom, Doom. This thing's uh, counting down. Uh, I'm beyond fixing, but I can fix you, Spider-Man. Nuke explosion happens for the last page. On the next issue of Marvel Knight Spider-Man, the hunt is on. On sale January 8th, 2014. Oh, my That's God. a dark day for you, bro. <laughs> Oh, two more of this. How many more submarine doors do I have to go through? How many, more ba- is... how many more babies do we have to kill of the Scarecrow? Find out next step podcast in January 2014. How's that for a teaser? Did this make My you want to drink? Part is the you know the part of the summary is there's a door and then the door gets squiggly. Like, the, the this door truly is a great plot. <laughs> the door got squiggly. I don't know, man. And that He's was apparently just... one of the most remarkable moments in that issue. And as I've said, one of the worst Spider-Man stories of all time. No offense to Mr. Matt Kent, I've never met you, but I don't care for what I purchased. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a story. It's, it's, it's him going through levels to get 99 villains so he can get the, the, the flag at the top of the mount with Mario going... It really seems like somebody just had the thought, like somebody was listening to some Jay-Z and was like... What yeah. if Spider-Man had 99 problems? Ooh, what if there was 99 villains? Wait, exactly. I only have five, five issues. I don't think that can be done cohesively. So I'm, I'm just going to throw him in while he trips. Yeah, no doubt. My God. Last one I've got. Last one I've got. Actually, we're ending on a good note. I actually like this book Woo. a bit. I'm glad you uh, got amazing. one good book this month, Brad. <laughs> Carnage was a freaking war and peace next to this last one. Uh, no. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 700.1, written by Mr. Uh, David Morell. Is that his first name? Yeah, David yep. Morell, the writer of uh, First Blood, Rambo. And Mr. Klaus Jansen, who I like quite a bit. He usually does art uh, inks on uh, John Romita Jr. stuff. But in, occasionally, he's... Uh, am I, am I getting that right? His own right, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, an inker, but he's a very good pencil. A lot of inking for John Romita Jr., but he's also done some... Uh, some work of his own with Frank Miller. Um, he's 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 a legend uh, in himself. Yeah, uh, Spider. This this story generally it, it's it doesn't take place after seven hundred, so it's not really uh, a continuation of that storyline. It's basically uh, web spinners ish. It's just a couple well, one, two stories. Yeah, the Morel said he he wrote this story like two years ago, and just the, the art fell through, and it's finally gotten drawn. Right, and it's it's it's, it's a good looking book. It's a nicely told story. Um, basically, I think it takes place in the '80s. He's in that apartment with a skylight skylight that uh, he rented from Mrs. Muggins. So imagine the Roger Stern, uh, Tom DeFalco era Spider-Man pre-marriage, pre-1987, if you will. Uh, basically, it's a cold day in uh, New York. 
uh, and Spider-Man has to go out and fight crime, and it's freezing out there. And he's he stops a speeding car, he stops uh, a couple robbers, and he goes back and uh, warms up in the house and goes back at it again. He's still freezing. Uh, he stops a subway car from falling, uh, all in a day's work. And um, he, he can't get warm. He's uh, bundled up. He, uh, that night of fighting crime just froze him pretty much. And so he goes to the Daily Bugle, and uh, J. Jonah Jameson is not the mayor. He's still the uh, editor-in-chief. And uh, he talks about, look at all the damage Spider-Man did overnight. He, uh, he ruined a subway car. He uh, stopped a speeding car and destroyed that. So go get some more pictures of that, Parker. Bah! Anyway, he's still freezing. He's freezing. He's like, ah, I'm going to go visit Aunt May. Maybe I can get a nice, warm-cooked meal. So he goes to Aunt May, and Aunt May says, Peter, you don't, uh, you don't look too good. Uh, you need to warm up. And, and we have a nice little backstory of uh, winter and what it does and how Uncle Ben... Uh, th- I never knew Uncle Ben was a, uh, worked in the garden. I don't think that's ever been mentioned, but uh, Aunt May tells Huge me. detail of spider history finally revealed. <laughs> Uncle Ben was a gardener. Well, the ultimate the ultimate one was a hippie, so he probably was, you know, growing dope or had some kind of hydroponics set up in the backyard. Right. Hey, don't but be anyway, hating, Aunt- man. <laughs> Aunt May tells a story of how Uncle Ben loved to garden, and he, one of his saddest days was when uh, the first frost hit and his roses died. And uh, she, he was always sad about that, but then they cut to a scene of him and Aunt May at the table, him reading the paper, her sewing with the uh, frost on the window. And I thought that was just a nice little thing, and, and she cooks uh, Peter a nice dinner, and they talk about Uncle Ben, and he uh, says, uh, it's just November, and it's extra cold for November, maybe it's just the frost, it's making me cold. So uh, he walks back uh, to his apartment, or he actually walks back, he doesn't swing, he takes the subway. And he looks at his clock, and it's 10.13, and, and he's like, you know what, I could web-sling, but I'm so tired, I'm just going to sleep. And he goes, and uh, a big snowstorm comes in November, uh, and people start freaking out. Uh, the grocery store loses its bread and milk. Uh, <laughs> everybody is... Uh, so Peter wakes up from a... He got a full night's sleep, and he opens up the window, and uh, New York's covered in snow. And uh, he was like, I wonder if Aunt May's uh, okay. I mean, uh, the electric's off, and I worry about her. So, um, let's see. Where do we go? Gusts of 50 miles an hour are through New York, and then you see a big branch uh, crash into Aunt May's house, and she's going to freeze. And uh, his spider sense goes off a little bit. And Aunt May is shutting the door, trying to keep the house warm, and she tries to call Peter, and the phones are dead. Uh, he goes, oh, it's probably just my imagination. Aunt May's probably fine. But then um, he goes, besides, how could I reach her? The taxis are off the street. The subways are closed. Peter Parker could never get there. All day, every day, again and again. Aunt May, my spider sense is getting stronger, though. No, Peter Parker could never reach Aunt May, but Spider-Man can. So he lifts up the skylight, and he's going to go rescue Aunt May from this blizzard. And you see Aunt May just freezing on the couch. So nice little, I mean, just well told. Uh, I like the prose of it. He can tell a good story. He's got he's got a great visual going. I'd give this one an A minus B plus. Uh, not bad. A lot better than I thought it would be. 
when I heard five issues of Amazing Spider-Man 700, I'm like, these are, like Kevin said, they're probably stock stories from uh, Steve Wacker's desk. But uh, I liked the the, uh, the web spinners and the, uh, what was the other anthology book that just was random Spider-Man stories, Amazing Spider-Man Extra. I thought some of those had good stories. Yeah, around. I say it's, they are stock stories from Steve Wacker's yeah. desk, but that doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, exactly. I, I'm not... I didn't decide not to pick these up because of quality. It's just they're they're releasing these over three weeks. Two of them came out. One of them, that one came out last week. Two of them yeah. came out today, and two of them come out next week. So that's and they're all three ninety nine. So that's twenty bucks in three weeks on stock stories. I can't do that. That's that's a, an expensive gamble, if you will. Yeah, I don't. I just don't know why they decided to release it this way. It's it's really hard on the customers. And, and we could talk a little bit about this. I'm not reviewing 700.2, Kevin, but just released today, the writer, David Morell, uh, wrote, was interviewed or he put something on his Facebook like, the, the next issue I'll review next month isn't what he submitted. Yeah, he said uh, Marvel, or the, ed- the editors um, took a lot of liberties and a lot of changes uh, with what he wrote and deleted captions and added captions and uh, added what he said is some very forced childish humor. Um, yeah. And I, I saw some of our posters uh, on the message board today say that that explains <laughs> the uh, they, they were pretty much seeing that when they read it. So I guess the the second issue takes a big drop in quality. I have, again, I haven't read yeah, it. Yeah, and Morel actually but said he, he's never writing comic books again. Well, it must have really burned a bridge for him. Well, he wasn't honestly. big into the medium to begin with. I mean, I know he wrote a Captain America miniseries a couple of years ago. Uh huh. And I think yeah. this is only the next thing he's done. So he hasn't done much. And, you know, he was saying he kind of he kind of likes the medium, but he's just not going to stand for that crap. Right. I can understand that. You know, Dave Morell, writer of Rambo, novel writer, you don't have to. Exactly. All right, that is the last of the Spider Satellites. We got through uh, how many books? Fourteen? Fourteen in about two hours. My God. It was really only about an hour and a half, really. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, Good month for satellites. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I usually end up saying this, but I'd say pretty much average. There's about as yeah. much kind of what the hell happened here as there was. This was pretty damn good. So, and we had we had A pluses, you know, superior foes. We had all A's on the Cataclysm stuff, except for that one C for not doing any movement. Um, I gave Amazing Spider Man 700.1 an A. Yeah, you got an A there. Um, I got, okay. I think, an A minus for an issue of Team Up, but then you've also got Fs for Marvel Knights, and you've got, you know, yeah. uh, some stuff in mind that was just treading water, so. And I'm interested when I when I put the new episode of the, uh, the podcast on the on the front page of the crawlspace SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Uh, I also put a link there for a discussion on the message board for the comments where you guys can discuss this episode. If someone is listening to this and they really like Marvel Knights Spider-Man, number two and three, please provide a bit of discussion why you like the book. Because I've been reading Spider-Man most of my life. And for the life of me, I don't know how you could like this book. There's, there's, you know somebody's going to uh, pipe up and say, oh, I love this. This is the best since uh, St- uh, Stan and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Well, please uh, justify your argument. <laughs> I, I would love to know why this is better than Stan and Steve. Yeah, for the record, you know, if you like something, that's great. You know, we're, yeah, no, we're not hating not on people liking something. We just no. genuinely don't understand what the appeal of this is. No. I, I, I mean, it's like I pitched an idea to an editor. All right, he's going to fight 99 villains. All right, you're approved. Go write it. 
And then he gets back to the computer and like, oh, shit, I need a villain. <laughs> they threw Superior in front of it, right? No, 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 no that's Marvel, Marvel Knights. Knights. Oh, Marvel, it's not Superior Marvel yeah. Knights? No. No, they're do, they've done a new uh, Marvel it's Knights inferior line. Marvel Knights. <laughs> no, I thought this was, I thought that this was something that, because I, I was about to say you've answered your own question, if it's something that they just had around in a drawer somewhere, and they're like, screw it, we can put Superior on it, you know, because it's big right now, and, you know, somebody will buy it. Right. No, uh, this this one isn't a stock story. This is part of a new uh, Marvel Knights line they're doing. They've also got Marvel Knights X-Men, Marvel Knights Hulk. Um, and the last Marvel Knights line they did was out of continuity stories uh, by like the biggest creators and whatnot, like Straczynski doing Silver Surfer. Um, this one is out of continuity stories by, it's supposed to be like Rising Stars, which, you know, t- to their credit, Matt Kent is... It just, the story didn't work. I mean, like I said, Joe Keating is going to be on Hulk, so good luck with that, Brad.